Hi, my name is Alan. I'm a business designer and welcome to the Beyond Users podcast, where we learn about business to become better designers. Welcome to another mini DMBA episode. That's a type of episode where we look at one business concept or framework or example, and we look at its relevancy for the work of designers. So this week, we're going to talk about prototyping with numbers. So actually, we're just in the midst of the fall cohort of the DMBA class. And last week, we were covering this module, Prototyping with Numbers, and we had some really great, great discussions and questions around uh, the usability of this concept. So I wanted to share one particular framework, or let's call it a process, that I find very interesting and useful uh, and something that a lot of designers can plug into their processes right away. So this is prototyping with numbers. The way you can think about prototyping with numbers is that the same way that we use wireframes, uh, the same way that we use some tangible prototypes uh, made out of foam core or Lego blocks um, to test desirability and feasibility, the same way we can use some simple math to test viability. You know, you have a wireframe, you put it in front of a customer and they give you feedback if that's what they want. They give you feedback if they know how to use it. And by building like a Lego block or um, some tangible prototype, you can see if something is likely to be feasible to be built, etc. So that's the same way we can use simple math to create some uh, projections to see if something makes sense from the business perspective and to inform our design process as well. So as I said before, uh, prototype with numbers is basically using very simple math, nothing beyond subtraction, addition, division, multiplication to create these scenarios to uncover the viability issues or uh, to prove that something is viable. Um, It can take shape in many different forms. It can be a full-blown business plan, uh, basically meaning you have financial projections for the next five years, how much revenue you're likely to make, how much cost you will have in those five years, etc. But that's usually uh, just overkill for most of the stuff that, that we designers work on. So something that's much more tangible is like cost calculation or um, calculation of the impact of our design decisions. So, and this is kind of the framework I'm going to zoom into, which is how can we start calculating, how can we start estimating the business impact of our product changes? I'm going to give two examples here uh, so you better uh, understand how you can use this and how and what this actually even means. So for example, imagine you're working for a company that also does a similar product like Netflix, so on-demand videos. And let's say you're uh, basically working for a competitor, um, so not for Netflix, and that in this stage where you got hired, you have 1 million customers. And on average, this uh, an average customer basically pays hundred dollars, hundred euros per year to say subscribed. So the worth of one customer is hundred dollars. So now, as soon as you enter the company, they put you in a project whose main goal is to improve retention. So how many customers you retain over a certain period of time? In this case, a year. And let's say that retention currently is ninety percent, meaning that if you start a year with one million customers. And you don't do any marketing, so you don't da- you don't add any new uh, customers. You will have uh, nine hundred thousand uh, customers at the end, right? That's ninety percent. So now you're being put in this project, and um, your goal is to improve retention. 
So one of the first things you can start thinking about is why does this even matter? So what happens if we increase retention by 1%? What's the impact? And using very simple math, you can quickly realize what the impact is. So for example, if we improve retention by 1%, and if one customer is worth 100 bucks to us, it means that the impact of improving retention by 1% is $1 million. Basically, you take 1%, so basically 1 million multiplied by 1% is 10,000 customers. That's how many more customers you will retain if you improve retention by 1%. Now you take this number, 10,000 customers, and you multiply with their average spend per year, which is $100. So if you multiply 10,000 with 100, you get 1 million. And that's kind of your impact. And why that's very helpful is because you can start A, putting some goals for you down. So you know, okay, maybe we should at least aim for 1%. Uh, B, you know how much you can spend on this project. You know, if you know that in one year, if you improve retention by 1%, you probably shouldn't spend more than 1 million to actually achieve this goal. And C, you also start to get this language, this language around numbers and language around metrics that you can use when presenting this um, project or potential changes to the project to non-designers. So maybe there's a, like a manager that oversees this project and you need to communicate what you're working on in non-design language. So not just from the user perspective, but also from the business perspective. Then you can start using this language to say, hey, we actually think we could reach 2% improvement, which would mean 2 million improvement in just year one. But actually after five years, this could be 10 million, right? Five years times 2 million is 10 million and you can start also asking for hey we actually would like to hire somebody on this project to help us out we don't have this particular skill that we need and you need, you see it makes sense right because even if we improve this whole thing just by one percent it's going to pay off not just for the salary of this person but for all of us that will be working on this project so this is the first example with the retention maybe even more realistic example is um, an example where you're not being put on a project with a very clear business goal, but you're actually joining or you want to start a project because you see something being wrong with the user uh, experience, something being wrong with how people are using the product. So let's imagine you work on a product and you um, realize that actually people are not sure how exactly to use the product, right? The instructions are not clear. Maybe it's very difficult to understand. Maybe it's just a complex product by nature, but you know, people don't know how to use it exactly. That's why you also have a support team. It's a support team that handles support tickets because people are asking questions how to use it. So you just try to solve this problem that way. Um, so your perspective is, you know, from the user perspective, you actually could do a much better job of explaining what this product does or we could do so much better job at um, changing the product design itself so that we don't have to even explain it. it's self-explanatory. If we put it just this way, you know, if you go to your boss and say, hey, I just want to improve this thing, I just see a lot of users do not understand what this product does, you are just using the user language. But you have to, on top of that, just add something, you know, how this is going to affect business too. So if you brainstorm a little bit or if you talk to other people in the company to identify what the usual metrics in the company are, one of the things you would probably identify is that one of the things your company probably is tracking in this case is how many uh, support tickets it gets per month. You know, how many 
questions you get from your users or your customers about using the product. And let's just imagine that's 10,000 per month currently. So 10,000 questions being sent to your company per month. And that on average, one employee can handle 250 questions per month, meaning that you have 40 people uh, employed in a support team. Now, you can start playing a little bit with this number and say, okay, what happens if we just improve this by 20%? What if we change these features and this product or the language on the website, and through that we can improve the number of questions or decrease number of questions by 20%? This means also that you would need 20% less employees in the support team. And on the business side, this means decreased costs by 20%. So, for example, if currently we would be paying $5 million for the support team, decreasing this by 20%, it would mean $4 million. So, again, you're saving your company $1 million per year just by improving the product design, improving the language on the website, improving how it's being talked about and that people know how to use it better. So, this is the way you can start using the user language together with the business language to explain the benefits for the user, but also to to the business so that people in the company can buy into the human-centered idea, to the ideas that are going to make the product better for the user. So maybe this second example is interesting because you're starting from the user perspective and then you have to, on your own, find this business metric, find this business goal, play with it, play with some numbers, and share these scenarios with the people inside the company and see their reaction. One thing you might be afraid to do is, you know, what is the realistic change? Is it 1%? Is it 5%? Is it 20%? And um, my tip here would be is you don't have to do it all alone. So even this prototype with numbers, like design of a product, it's not something you have to do on your own. You can uh, talk to other people in the company, somebody you know is good with numbers, or maybe somebody who has the data, so maybe somebody in the data team. You know, you usually can find that suspect, that employee, that colleague that has a lot of this data and maybe benchmarks who can help you create like a more believable, realistic scenario. So my tip is don't do it alone. But definitely start playing with numbers. It's going to be very beneficial for the work of design team. It's going to become easier to um, show the value of design, but also um, get people buying into the human-centered ideas. You know, people in the business, they're all up for human-centered ideas, but we also have to start building this bridge by explaining what's the impact on on the business side. So there you go. This is the prototype with numbers. I hope you liked it. If you have any questions, like always, you just feel free to reach out and ask me either via email or LinkedIn. Um, But if you're interested to learn more about this process or in general about prototyping with numbers, you can also join us in the next DMBA which is starting on February 24th, 2020. Um, And the applications are going to open in January 2020. Um, So the best way to sign up for the waiting list is to go to beyondusers.com or beyondusers.com slash DMBA. And there you can sign up for a free seven-day mini MBA where you're going to learn seven more concepts about business that are relevant for designers. And also you're going to be then on the waiting list to be notified when the next application rounds um, open. Cool. So that's all in this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Good luck applying it and see you soon. Bye-bye. Hello, everyone. My name is Wojtek. I design at Publicis Sapient in Sydney, Australia. First of all, thank you, Alan, for having the drive and passion to share the knowledge. 
have to admit that after over 10 years in the industry, I got slightly disinterested. However, the MBA got me excited again. So cheers to everyone who made this experience so damn good. Thank you, guys.